Welcome to another Macquarie Life Church podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. Thank you. Have a seat, Macquarie. Thank you, wonderful creative team. Let's give them a hand, please. Thank you for coming back. It is lovely to see you again, beautiful people. I walked out the door this morning in my pyjamas because that's just how I'm used to doing church. Had to turn around and get changed. It's 48 days to Christmas. You know what that means, don't you? They are thawing out Mariah Carey and Michael Bublé as we speak. It's coming, you know it. It's ridiculous. Um, But this year, even though we've been locked down, it's actually flown, hasn't it? It's gone pretty quick. Um, We want to give a shout-out to our onlineers. Hello, thank you for joining us in your wonderful two-dimensional world. If you will give you a wave. Uh, We honour you at some point in the future. We look forward to seeing you again in the flesh. Um, And also, uh, Fraser, we're thinking of you at the moment. We're praying for you and your family and your dad with everything that's going on. Uh, And that's that's why I'm here this morning with mountains of preparation. So we'll see how we go. Uh, We're continuing our series on a faith that works when life doesn't. And this morning we're going to talk about finding calm in a crisis from James. I discovered recently that I belong to a very weird pocket of society, and I know for a fact that you're all going to judge me. I've been going through some anxiety at work, just some tension, some stress because of everything that's happening. I work for Services Australia, or Centrelink as you might know it, and we've been under the pump, absolutely slaughtered with work since all this stuff has happened, and it's been pretty tense. And so our management team decided to grant each and every one of us one free online uh, chat session with a therapist where we could just talk about stuff and, and try and get some strategies on how to help. And I know what you're thinking, hold on, you're a pastor, why don't you just have a chat with Jesus? Well, I did. And he said, look, this is practical and you're already paying for it with your tax dollars, so, so go for it. Uh, and let me tell you, church, there is nothing wrong with seeking appropriate help. Don't be an island, don't be a stoic. If you need help, reach out. We can help you. We can offer you resources and referrals that can help you in that. But anyway, I talked to this, this uh, online chat therapist guy. He's pretty helpful. He gave me some strategies on uh, exercise, on breathing, on um, positive self-reflection, on time management, you know, practical actions to help me calm my mind and how I go about my day. And right towards the end of the chat, with about 30 seconds left to go, he said this, have you heard of ASMR? If we can get the, the slide up, please, Ethan. Autonomous sensory meridian response, ASMR. Certain people are prone to this thing. And it works differently in different people. Here's the bad news. Most people don't get ASMR. But what it is, it's a triggered calming sensation. It starts like tingles in the back of your head, back of your scalp, and it goes down the back of your spine. It's like a positive form of pins and needles, and it has an instant calming sensation on your your physicality, on your physiology. And there's two main things that trigger ASMR. Firstly, it's uh, triggered through um, close personal attention and uh, non-sexual touch. So if someone comes up close and whispers gently in your ear, or if you're getting a haircut, sometimes that triggers it, because it's close personal uh, intimate attention um, and you get chills down the spine. And uh, for others, and this is me, ASMR is triggered through dull visual stimulus. And you may have heard of me and my people. Uh, We calm ourselves down by watching videos of mundane things, like somebody stirring a bowl of soup or somebody crinkling a piece of paper. And here we go, here's mine, we'll get it up on the screen. 
ceramics or pottery, I get a calming buzz watching clay being shaped, watching the formless take on form. Um, <coughs> anyway. In 2015, there was a study by Dr. Barrett and Davis that was published in the USA's Peer J journals investigating ASMR, labelling it as a form of positive seizure, a short-term trance-like state. It gives rapid soothing, it improves your mood, it even reduces pain symptoms. And there's enormous communities online dedicated to ASMR. If you go into YouTube and Google and, and uh, search ASMR, there's people playing with kinesthetic sand that have had 76 million views. There's people slowly eating fried chicken, 58 million views. There's 10 hours of footage just of the inside of a plane cabin with engine noises, 19 million views. Uh, 25 million views of ceramics and pottery, that's me, guilty. There's three hours of someone vacuuming, 8 million views. And get this, there's a 15 and a half hour video of people using hair dryers, 16 million views. People are desperate to find calm in their everyday lives, particularly now. And we're looking, me and my peeps, we're looking in the strangest places for inputs, for practices, for stimuli that bring peace. Let's have a look at James 5.8. This is from the Bible in basic English version. Be calm in your waiting. Let your hearts be strong because the arrival of the Lord is nearby. Or you'll read in some versions, the master could arrive at any time. I'm going to commit a preaching sin here. We're supposed to be doing a sermon on a series on James. I've done a James verse. Now we're going to move into Mark. Let's have a read of Mark chapter 4, 35 to 41. This is from the New English Translation. On that day, when evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let's go across the other side of the lake. So after leaving the crowd, they took him along, just as he was, in the boat, and the other boats were with him. Now a great windstorm developed, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was nearly swamped. But he was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. They woke him up and said to him, and listen to the prayer that this is, Teacher, don't you care that we are about to die? So he got up, rebuked the wind, said to the sea, be quiet, calm down, chill out. The wind stopped, dead calm. And he said to them, why are you cowardly? Do you still not have faith? And they were overwhelmed by fear and said to one another, who then is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. These disciples had already spent a lot of time with Jesus. They had already seen miracles come from his hand. You'd think they'd be full of faith. But then who is this? Who on earth is this guy? The master was in the boat with them, but they had more belief, more faith in the deadly power of the storm than the saving power of Jesus. He told them we'd reach other side, but, but as soon as the storm hit, they forgot his words, they forgot his plan, they forgot his intention, and they hit panic stations. But let me tell you, it's, uh, let's not be too hard on the disciples because they responded like I would. And like I would hazard a guess, many of us would. Because sometimes in our uh, finite minds, we forget to see the future. We struggle with the present moment and it wrecks our calmness, it wrecks our mental health, it wrecks our steadiness, it wrecks our hope. 
Anyway, let's look at the Sea of Galilee. We've got the next shot up. This is the Sea of Galilee. It's now actually called Lake Kinneret, or Kinnereth in Israel. You won't hear too many locals call it the Sea of Galilee anymore. It's a freshwater lake. It's 210 metres below sea level. It's the lowest freshwater lake on planet Earth. It sits in a valley like a, a bowl. It's surrounded by mountains ranging from 500 metres tall to Mount Hermon, which is nearly three kilometres high. Uh, the River Jordan flows into it. The springs from Mount Hermon flow into it. At the end of nearly every day, a daily occurrence, even to this, this time, uh, as evening sets in, the cool air races down the mountain, races down the face of all the hills and the mountains and into this bowl. And the cold air hits the warm air that has settled on the surface and it churns the sea into this, uh, uh, this stirred-up cauldron and generates sudden-onset crazy weather. Uh, daily tempests, and there's multiple records, even in the last 50 years, of boats that have been lost to sudden squalls on the surface of Lake Kinneret. Let's go to the next image, please, Ethan. This is a boat salvaged from the bottom of the Sea of Galilee in 1986. It's dated back to the time of Christ. It's about eight metres long, about 2.5 metres wide. It would have held 15 people. It's likely the boat we read about in Mark would have been along these lines, something similar to this. So picture 12 plus one blokes in this boat in the middle of a storm. In verse 37, it says that a fierce windstorm came in. It's talking about, believe it or not, a cyclone. Scholars guess the winds at that time would have been around 150 kilometres an hour and you're sitting in that little wooden dinghy. Uh, there's a similar account of this storm in Matthew chapter 8. In that, we learn that this is happening in the dark. If we can go to the next slide, please, Ethan. Matthew describes the event as seismos megos, where we get the word seismic, i.e. an earthquake, and megos, mega, jolly enormous. So it's not just a cyclone, it's a violent shaking of the earth on this particular night. Some would say supernatural. It's pitch black, it's night, it's stormy, there's an earthquake, the boat's filling up, there's a cyclone, and God himself is asleep. I felt like that. In some respects, I feel like that now. How about you? What's lockdown done? Do you feel like you are in a dinghy, in the middle of a lake, in the middle of the night, there's a cyclone, there's an earthquake, the water is rising in your boat, and the one person that you think should be helping you is having a kip. Seven of the 12 disciples were fishermen. Seven of them were experienced sailors. You know you're having a bad day when the sailors are turning to a chippy to help them navigate the sea. <laughs> but here's the thing. We lose our calm, we lose our peace most when we're unsettled in our area of expertise. When God rattles the boat in things that we're comfortable with. When our self-reliance has the rug pulled out from under it. And don't be surprised when God allows a storm into an area where you are normally stable. Because he's up to something. <laughs> he's calling us from self-sufficiency to God-sufficiency. 
So if you think you're really good at something, watch your back. So that's probably a bit, that's probably a bit intimidating, threatening. I'm sorry about that. If you think you're really good at something, God may just come and start prodding. Start testing. <laughs> anyway, the storm's raging. The disciples, the sailors, <laughs> are freaking out. They break in on Jesus. They wake him up. And the first thing they say to God, don't you care? I've asked God this question on a number of occasions. You know my story. I've been through some storms, going through some more. God, don't you care? What an opening stanza to the Almighty One. <laughs> storms threaten to sink our faith. Now, I'm not talking about inconveniences, like you've got a conflict in the workplace, you've got a flat tyre, <laughs> Coles didn't deliver all the groceries I ordered. <laughs> My delivery from Wuhan is delayed. Um, <laughs> but I mean things that cause us to question the goodness of God, to question the care of God, to question God's character. And I'm going to hazard a guess you've all got something that's made you question God's character. The prolonged illness, the, the death of a loved one, the, the loss of purpose and destiny, the, the getting laid off, getting sacked, the end of a relationship, the end of a marriage, financial ruin. A circumstance where it seems like God is asleep. God doesn't give a rip about me and my circumstance. Because if he really cared, if he really understood, surely he would intervene. We go through times where our faith in the goodness of God comes under attack. It's not faith in God's power or his ability. Most Christians actually have that. We believe God is sovereign and God can do it. But for me in my circumstance, I question the character of God and his love for me and it comes under a cloud. Why isn't he showing his world-shaking power for me? Don't you care about what I'm going through? It's a different sort of prayer. If the disciples had woken Jesus up and said, hey Jesus, this storm's hard, this storm sucks, can you help? Please God, help. That's a prayer of trust. But what do they start with? Don't you even care? It's a prayer of doubt. It's a prayer that casts a shadow over the goodness of God. And I'm guilty. Because faith isn't always about whether you're going to make it through unscathed. It's not about whether you're going to be successful, prosperous, healthy, married. Faith is more about trusting in the goodness and the character of God, no matter what the outcome is. If you've been a Christian for a while, so I'd say longer than say 30 seconds, you know that storms are part of the plan. He even is bold enough to tell us in his word, you will have troubles. You will endure hardship. You will come under discipline. He's not shy about it. He has the audacity to put it up front in the contract. The storms are coming, my friends. And if you're not already in one, just hang around a bit, because there's one on the way. But get this. The storm is not the point. The storm is absolutely not the point. The point is who is in your boat. Who's in the boat with you? When they wake him up, God speaks, millions of horsepower of wind is calmed. Millions of litres of violent waves are stopped. Who is this guy? Even the wind and the waves obey his very word. 
I want to get a little Jewish here. Uh, this act is significant. There is significance on what Jesus did and how he did it. Because this doesn't just reveal his power. Oh, gee, Jesus is pretty strong here. It actually reveals his identity. So let's step into the Old Testament for a bit. There's this Jewish mythology that was around in the time of the Old Testament, that the depths of the sea were controlled by an evil spirit uh, that was embodied in, in the scriptures and in, in folklore as this great dragon called Leviathan. We've got an image of him up on the screen. And Leviathan would continually cause upheaval, the word says, in the waters of chaos. And so Jew, Jewish uh, scholars and students would grow up thinking there was an evil spirit of Leviathan that... that caused turmoil in the waters. If there was a shipwreck, blame Leviathan. If there was a storm, blame Leviathan. It was always happening with Leviathan. So to counter that belief, the Old Testament writers went to great lengths to show it's not Leviathan that controls the waters, it is God. It's not an evil spirit that has sovereign control of the oceans and the seas. It's not a 300-mile-long dragon, which is how Leviathan is described. It's God. And the, Jewish, the good Jewish boys in the boat, the disciples, they're panicking in the boat, but they would have had, all up until this point, a rich history and tradition of learning from the Old Testament these things. Let me give you a quick overview. I'll go really quick. You can get the references from me later if you want. Psalm 65. It is you, God, who stills the roaring of the seas, the roaring of the waves. Psalm 89. It is you, God, who rules the swelling of the sea. When the waves rise, you still them. Psalm 107. The Lord raised up stormy waves that reeled and staggered like a drunken man. We cried to him in our troubles. He stilled the storm. He hushed the waves. Job 38. It is God alone who puts limits on the seas. Zechariah 10. The Lord will cross the sea of storms and calm its turbulence. Ezekiel, Nahum, you name it. Do a word study on who rules the seas in the Old Testament. There are dozens and dozens of references where it's God. The Old Testament is a chorus screaming at these disciples, God rules the waves. And over here on the Sea of Galilee, Jesus wakes up, trots over to the bow of the ship, he doesn't ask, he doesn't even pray, he just commands. And the wind and the waters are still. Put yourself in the mind of one of those disciples right now. Who is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. The Jewish disciples, they are processing what they've just seen. They are matching what they've just observed against what they know from the scriptures. And this revelation confirms in their mind hey, this ain't just a carpenter with some nifty parlour tricks. This is the guy scriptures have been telling us about four centuries. This is God himself in our little boat. It says in the Mark passage, two occasions where the disciples were scared. Verse 40, during the storm, it says they were afraid. Verse 41, after the storm, it says they were very much afraid. They were more scared after Jesus calmed the storm than they were when they were right in the middle of it. The first reference to scared is a Greek word, deloi, which means lacking courage. The second word after the storm is phaban, which is intimidation and awesome reverence. 
they suddenly recognized who was in the boat with them. And it can be an awesome and sometimes an overwhelming experience to realize that you are in the presence of God and that he has been there all along. When you realize, hey, God's right by my side, a reverence comes over you, an awe comes over you, sometimes an intimidation that God would want to mould and shape and change comes over you because he is close. You fear the storm, but that fear is swallowed up in the awesomeness of the God that is sitting in the bow with you. And you get caught up in the wonder of he who calms it all. Because really, really, we are surrounded by a greater force, a seismic force, the presence, the power, and the person of God himself. <laughs> and when you, when you get that in the middle of a crisis, it helps you to trust the who in the middle of the what. Anyway, I want to challenge you. Take this on board. I, I say it with humility. Move from being in awe of how stressful your situation is to being in awe about who is with you. Look at him with fresh eyes. It's easier said than done. <laughs> to just think about Jesus is not an automatic cure-all. You may still have to go through that storm, but he's in your boat. Um, so let it change how you come to him, not with fear, but with awe. Rather than coming and approaching God with, do you care? Come to him with, God, please help. I know you're with me. I know you're in this. This storm is hard. This storm sucks. But I know you are with me. The carpenter, even if he seems asleep and in the back of the boat, he is at work. As we said in James 5, the master could arrive at any time. To grow a faith that works when life doesn't. Have you got Jesus in your boat? And do you know who he truly is? Let's have a look at Exodus 14. I think we've got it there, maybe we don't. Nope. Okay, Exodus 14, verse 14. The Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. He's on the case. He's on the case. Some of the things, here we go, this might affront some people, so forgive me. Some of the things you're going through right now, some of the storms that you are getting rocked and rolled around in, are actually getting you to the places that you ask God to take you. He's working to get you there. Maybe, like me, you just don't like how he's getting you there. I am absolutely preaching to myself right now. And we as Christians, here we go, sorry, I'm probably getting a bit off topic here. We as Christians talk of finding calm in a crisis about solving our stresses and our problems. We often, bless us, particularly us Pentecostals, we trot out 1 Peter 5, verse 7. I think we've got that one, Ethan. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you. This little bit is what's been copied and pasted into your daily devotional calendar that you bought from Kurong, and it's surrounded with a floral pattern. Casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. It's a beautiful truth, but we've got to understand the context. You can't have the second part of that passage without the first. How much do we hear about verse 6? Humble yourselves under his mighty hand. They're linked. They're one statement. You can't cherry pick this. 
Casting your cares on God isn't just delegating our crisis, um, uh, shoving our unpleasant circumstance at the feet of Jesus. It's also, and I would say it's more importantly, humbly submitting our, our, our hearts, our futures, into the mighty hands of the one who calms the storm. Being under the mighty hand of God does not mean you're going to be crushed. It does not mean that you are reduced. Here we go. It's giving yourself over to the potter. It's handing yourself over to place yourself as willing clay on that potter's wheel to let the ceramicist shape you, mould you, maybe change some bits, maybe take bits off and put other bits on, to take the things in you that do not yet have form and to craft them into what you've always been destined to be. The Bible calls us his handiwork. The Bible refers to us as his craftsmanship. And sometimes when you're in a nighttime earthquake in the dark with cyclonic winds, the water is engulfing your tiny dinghy, sometimes that is exactly the method God uses to shape us. I'll finish with Isaiah 64, verse 8. Yet you, O Lord, you are our Father. You are the potter. We are the clay. We are all the work of your hand. Over COVID, and particularly in this last little season, I've realised the, the, the challenges, the turmoil, the storms, the stresses are actually bringing more of me out. And in many ways, in many ways, I've had to hop back up on the potter's wheel. And in your crisis, in, in, in your storm, I don't know what's going on for you, but in your storm, know this, the master craftsman is at work and what we can do is humble ourselves under his mighty hand. It is a hand of love. It is a hand of shaping. It is a hand of discipline. But it is the ultimate evidence and the ultimate response to the disciples' question, do you even care? Yes. Yes. He does. Can I pray? Hey, God, it's us. We need calm. For many of us, there are circumstances where we need your calm and we need your peace. And I ask God that you would arise in our boats and speak to the storm. I ask that you would speak peace into our circumstances, God. And where that peace still involves shaping, I pray that you would teach us to be malleable, teach us to be soft in your hands. I pray that you would shape each one of us on that potter's wheel and make us more like your son. In Jesus' name, amen. And maybe you're here this morning or maybe you're watching us online and it's time to submit yourself under the mighty hand of God. It's time to become a follower of the master that is in your boat. It's time to become a Christian, someone who follows Jesus and places their life and it puts their clay on his wheel. <laughs> if that's you, I want to pray for you. If today you want to become a Christian, I'm going to ask you, particularly online, I'm going to ask you to text the word New Start 
to the number that you can see on your screen. We'll get that. We'll get in touch with you. We're not going to pry. We're not here to take over. We just want to help. We'll get a Bible to you. If you're comfortable, we'll pray with you. We'll talk with you and see if we can get you on the, the, the first steps of this journey, of this great boat ride with Jesus. If you're here in the room and that's you, I'll pray at the end of the service. Please come and say hello. You can text New Start if you'd like or if you want to come and say g'day. We've got a Bible we'd love to give you and, and make a connection. Okay. If that's you, let's pray. Jesus. We want to invite you into our boat. We want to be able to confidently approach you and see you calm our storms. Thank you for dying on the cross in my place. I am sorry. I'm sorry for my sin. I'm sorry for going my own way. I'm sorry for believing that you don't care about me and I ask for your forgiveness. Today, I choose to turn around and follow you. Today, I thank you for coming into my life and I ask that you would shape me, mould me, bring form to me from the inside out and help me to follow you under your mighty hand as my saviour, as my Lord, as my friend. Today, God, I'm your child. You're my God. In Jesus' name, amen. If that's you and you prayed that prayer here in the room or online, please reach out. Text New Start to the number. Come and say hello. We would love to help. Thank you, Macquarie. Have a great week. Thank you for listening. We hope you have enjoyed this message. For more information, please visit macquarielifechurch.com.au.